do have it on, don't you? I do. It's on, I believe. <laughs> okay. It's on. Okay. You need your specs here. Okay. Well, it's a joy to be with you this morning. I, I came to Melbourne 35 years ago, two weeks after Gary Fagan came as your pastor. And I've known all your pastors since then, loved them, worked with them, and uh, enjoyed them. And uh, praying for you as a church as you're looking for your next leader and that God will lead you to the right one that will bless you and, and be the right person for you. Um, I, uh, since I retired 10 years ago, I have had a ministry called Sent ETC, which is uh, Sent Equipping the Church. And I've traveled about six or seven trips, foreign international trips, um, since then. I've uh, been to China several times and India uh, Romania, uh, Nicaragua, uh, and then been going to, to Rwanda and Uganda lately and had a trip that was scheduled in July there and they were canceled because of COVID and we have another one scheduled in October and I'm not sure it's going to go off but uh, it's just been an exciting ministry that really where God opened doors for us to do several mission trips when I was a pastor but also to teach at the association in the seminary program and found that I had a love for teaching and a love for missions, and uh, God opened the door for me to have this ministry, and it's been exciting. Uh, I don't know how many of you know John Ortberg, uh, an author and pastor in California, but he was, uh, one of his recent books, he talked about how it's important as we grow older to learn new things. He said his father-in-law, is 70, at 73, started walking three miles a day. He said, that's been three years ago, we don't know where he's at. And uh, sometimes I don't know where I'm at uh, in this journey, but uh, it's been exciting. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to preach here uh, this morning. I, w I was first asked to preach this morning and next Sunday. And Wednesday, I was supposed to have uh, knee replacement surgery. You saw me kind of hobbling up here. And uh, they've called off all elective surgeries. And so I, it's been postponed. I don't know when it'll happen, uh, but I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I may be here week after next. I'm not sure when that surgery is going to be uh, done. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to John chapter 8? John chapter 8, very familiar story of uh, the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives... And early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. He sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when he, they had set her in his midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that, that such should, submit, should be stoned. But what do you say? And this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised him, himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And then he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, uh, being convicted by their conscience, went out, from him one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? 
And she said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And then Jesus spoke to them again to say, I am the light of the world. He who no follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this uh, story and your word. And uh, Father, thank you so much that you remind us that you have grace for all of us because we all are sinners and we need that grace. I thank you, Lord, for what you want to say to us through your spirit today. I pray that hearts will be open and receptive. If there's one here today that is in need of that grace, Lord, that we might reach out with empty hands and admit our need for you and for your grace. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the story is very familiar, but let me just recap it. Uh, one day Jesus was teaching in the temple, and this was probably the week before he dies. So he knows his time is short, and uh, he's sitting, as the custom was for a teacher to sit. I wish we'd do that now, you know, kind of. But uh, anyway, uh, sitting and teaching in the, the rabbi chair. And all of a sudden, this teaching was disrupted by some Pharisees, some religious leaders who come in and throw a woman half-clothed at his feet. And said, so this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And we brought her to you. The law says she should be stoned. What do you say? And uh, Jesus didn't say anything. He just kind of stooped down and began to write in the dirt. Uh, I was in seminary one time, and Chester Swore uh, was speaking that day. And he said, uh, nobody knows what Jesus wrote in the dirt, but that's what I'm going to preach about, what he wrote in the dirt. And one thing he might have written in the dirt was, where's the man? You know, they brought the woman caught in the very act. If she was caught in the very act, there was a, a, a partner in sin, a man. And so we know the standards have not changed much through the years that, uh, you know, it's a man's world. But anyway, they brought this woman uh, to Jesus. He's writing in the dirt, and uh, they begin to press him. You know, what, what do you say? What do you say? And finally he looks up and said, whoever's without sin... Let him throw the first rock. And, uh, and then he stooped down and begins to write again. Some estimate that he might have been writing the sins of some of the men that were there wanting to throw the rocks. But uh, one by one, the, the rocks dropped, and the, the men from the oldest to the youngest left. And finally, Jesus is left alone with a woman and says, uh, Woman, where are your accusers? They're gone, Lord. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Reminded of a story from C.S. Lewis that uh, at one time there were a group of English theologians that were gathered around and they were discussing what made Christianity unique, what made it different from all other world religions. And one of them said, well, it's heaven. And they you know, started saying, well, no, other religions teach that there's a place that people can go after they die uh, for good works. So it's not heaven. And some said, well, the opposite was hell. Said, no, most religions have a, a place of punishment for those that have done evil things. About that time, C.S. Lewis walked in the room and asked what they were discussing, and they told him, he said, well, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. And that's what separates Christianity from every other world religion, grace. You know, Jew, Jew, uh, Judaism is, is based on a legal code, Muslim based on a legal code, but Christianity is all about grace. That's what I'm going to speak about today, grace for a sinner, grace for a sinner. And uh, there are several truths, I believe, that Jesus teaches here, us today, about grace. The first is simply this, that everybody needs grace. Now say that with me. 
Everybody needs grace. Say it again, I didn't hear you. Every, and, and certainly this woman needed grace. Uh, her partner in sin needed grace. But you know, the Pharisees needed grace as well. One thing I love about the Bible is that God does not try to uh, uh, cover over the, the sins of its heroes. I mean, from the very first, Adam and Eve, placed in a beautiful paradise, had everything going for them, yet they disobeyed God, and Adam and Eve needed grace. Noah lived in a time where God was so distraught with the world that he had created, he wanted to totally destroy it, but he found grace in Noah's life, goodness, and uh, so he had him and his family saved by the ark. When they came out, you remember Noah became a planter, a vineyard, and had good grapes, into wine, and he got drunk, and Noah needed grace. Abraham, the father of three major world religions, but especially of Judaism and Christianity, Abraham lied about his relationship to his wife Sarah to protect his life, and Abraham needed grace. Moses, uh, who spoke to God face to face, gave us the Ten Commandments. Moses became rebellious and uh, disobeyed what God explicitly told him to do by just speaking to the rock instead he struck the rock, and Moses needed grace. David was a man after God's own heart, but David committed adultery and murder, and David needed grace. You turn to the New Testament, you find Peter, who was that bold follower of Jesus, part of that close uh, three companions that stayed near him, and yet Peter denied the Lord in the moment that Jesus needed him most. Peter needed grace. And Paul, that great apostle, the great writer, the great expansion of Christianity through him, his missionary efforts, Paul started out uh, condemning the early Christians, taking them into to captivity, many of them in, in prison and many of them killed. And Paul needed grace. But the truth is every one of us needs grace as well. Amen? <laughs> For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of our sin is death, separation from a holy God, and so we all stand in need of grace. And there's a, a warning in 1 Corinthians 10 as God uh, speaks of all the different rebellious sins of the children of Israel, and he has a warning there uh, in verse 12 where he says, uh, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. How many times when we've had a brother, a pastor, famous religious leader sin, do something, and uh, we kind of self-righteously say, I would never do that. Well, here's that verse, take heed, you know, in your pride, lest you fall. And the truth is, we all stand in need of grace. I need grace, and you need grace. And when I get before the Lord, I do not want justice. You know, if I got justice, I'd be burnt toast. And don't look at me funny, every one of you would be too, you know. We all need grace, mercy. Uh, and so the first truth is everyone needs grace. The second truth is nobody deserves grace. Say that with me. Nobody deserves grace. And some of you have already gone to sleep. Now do it again. Nobody deserves grace. Uh, this woman did not deserve grace. Her partner did not deserve grace. Neither did the Pharisees. 
You know, the Bible says in Isaiah, all of us are like sheep, we've gone astray. Everyone is turned to his own way, yet God has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Both Psalms and then later in Romans 3 says there's none righteous, no, not one. One of my favorite uh, stories in the New Testament is that of Zacchaeus. You remember when Jesus came to Jericho and he stopped under the tree where Zacchaeus was trying to hide? He looked up, saw Zacchaeus, and said, come down, I'm going to your house today. And he was so excited that Jesus was going to be his guest in his home. Zacchaeus is the most notorious sinner in the city. And, you know, people begin to grumble and complain. He's gone home to eat with a sinner. Now, guess what? Anybody Jesus would have gone home with that day would have been a sinner. You know, right? Even the head rabbi, chief rabbi, everybody would have been a sinner. However, you know, we tend to look at other people and say, well, you know, I'm not that bad or whatever. And Matthew 18 is a beautiful parable where Jesus answers a question concerning forgiveness. And Peter had talked about, should I forgive somebody up to seven times? That The normal was three. So seven was twice that plus one. And, and Peter was pretty proud that he'd come up with that seven number. <clears throat> but Jesus said, no, not, not seven times, but 70 times seven, 490 times. Which does not mean when you get up to 470 or 400 and what? 48, 89, 89, okay. They would say, okay, one more time, buddy, and that's it, you know. He wasn't saying that. He was saying unlimited forgiveness needs to be extended to people. And he tells the parable about the, the man who was working for a wealthy uh, owner who he had uh, somehow uh, borrowed over a large sum of money, we'd say just a million dollars. He was in debt, and uh, he couldn't pay it. He went to the, the, the owner, called him to his presence, and said, look, pay me what you owe me, or I'm going to throw you in prison, and you and your family. He said, please, please, I beg of you, give me time, I will repay. There's no way he could have repaid but the owner had mercy on him. He forgave the debt completely. That'd be like someone uh, coming up to you. Say, How much do you owe in your home? Well, just three hundred fifty thousand now. So it's gone. You don't worry about it. It's forgiven. Hallelujah. You know. But uh, he goes out and finds a, a fellow servant that owes him something like a hundred dollars. And he said, "You owe me this. Pay me what you owe me." He said, "I don't have." It. He says the same words. Please give me time. I'll pay it. And he said, "No." And he threw him in prison. When the other servants heard about it, they went and told the master, and he couldn't believe it. You know, I forgave you this humongous amount, and yet you can't forgive this little small amount when I showed grace and mercy on you? Take him out, throw him in prison. And uh, I wonder sometimes when we look at others and we say, well, you got this huge debt, but mine's not that bad. Uh, I, I've told people that uh, when it comes time for my funeral, hope it's not anytime soon, but... Uh, there's two songs that I'd like the choir to sing or the congregation to sing. One by the choir, uh, an anthem, I don't know if you know it, Holy is He, Holy is He, a beautiful song, one of my favorites that they've sung in the past, and that's about Jesus. And then the second song, I want them to sing congregational song, Christ Receiveth Sinful Man. That's me. He is holy, I know who I am. I remember a song I learned years ago. It goes something like this. I was a sinner all covered with shame, lost and defiled with no merit to claim. Somehow God loved me in spite of my sin. 
bought me, redeemed me, and he cleansed me within. God did a wonderful thing for me, one glorious happy day. God did a wonderful thing for me when he took all my sin away. And that's why God called me to preach, not to sing, but, uh, you know, you get the idea. God did a wonderful thing for us when he took all of our sin away. And, you know, there are others I've met through the years who said, well, you know, I, I may have done some bad things, but, but I'm not so bad. I've done more good things than bad things. I'll be okay. And uh, the tragedy of that is two great misstatements. One is disregarding the holiness of God. And the other is dis disregarding the cost of our salvation. It took the death of God's own son for us to have forgiveness of sin. And, uh, and so everyone, nobody deserves grace. God has done something wonderful for us. And that is that Christ offers grace. That's the third point. Christ offers grace. Say that with me. Christ offers grace. And to this woman... As uh, she looked around and, and uh, saw what was happening, nobody was around her. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? He said, they, they've all gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And uh, Jeff shared that verse in Romans 8, 1, where God says, neither are there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit, not the flesh. And so there is no condemnation. You know, we, we quote John 3.16 often, but the verses right after that remind us, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed the name of the only begotten son of God. And so the truth is that... Uh, all of us stand in need of this grace, and Christ is the one uh, that offers this grace for us. And uh, this grace has to be received. It's not something we can buy. It's not something we can work for. Simply we have to have open arms to receive the grace that he has for us. And, uh, and so the reminder, Christ offers grace. The last truth I share is that grace leads to change. Now, Jesus didn't stop with a woman saying, go, uh, uh, neither do I condemn you. But he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Uh, Paul's message on grace was often misunderstood by people. When he talked about grace, in fact, in Romans 5, he, he kind of ends that chapter by saying, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And there were a lot of people who took that word to say, hey, if that's true, let's go out and sin a whole bunch so we can see more of God's grace. And so he starts chapter 6, he said, said, we who have died to sin continue in sin any longer? He said, certainly not. You know, we, we died with Christ. We were buried with Christ in baptism and the death and raised to walk in newness of life. I've often shared the, the illustration of, of a, a, a funeral service with a casket right there. And uh, as the preacher's preaching the funeral, all of a sudden, the, the person in the casket sits up looks at the congregation and starts waving. Now, what would you do if that happened? Well, we'd be making new doors out of here, you know, getting out of here, because dead people don't sit up 
and wane. And the truth is, Christians, we have died with Christ. We were buried with him. We were crucified with him. You know, we were planted in his death, Paul says. And so dead men don't have to sin. You know, don't sin. And, uh, you know, too often we're like the children of Israel who have escaped the bondage of slavery, but, but we wander in the wilderness for 40 years, never knowing the victory of going into the promised land. Or we're like so many Christians. We know about the crucifixion. We know he forgave us of our sins, but somehow we're living between those three days between and not taking advantage of the resurrection. He said we died with Christ, but we also need to know we've been raised with Christ to live a new life, a different life. The old life has passed away. Old things have become new. And Paul speaks about grace in Ephesians. He says, For by grace you save through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. But too often we forget verse 10 goes with that. For we are his workmanship, created by Christ for good works. And uh, there's a life to live, working for him, living for him, as the resurrected Lord lives. And the last song you sang, beautiful song. I'd never heard that song before, that hymn y'all sang at the end. But not, not me, but Christ in me, Christ through me, doing it all. In uh, England in the 1800s, there was a young boy named John who lost his mother, and his dad was a seaman, and he had no other recourse but to take his son to sea with him, and so he learned all the ropes of being a sailor, including the language and the lifestyle, and uh, his father, and he worked on a slave ship. He himself was captured by some uh, slavers in Africa, and he became a slave to an African princess for a while. He escaped, got back to the, the, the uh, west coast of Africa, got aboard a ship, and later on became a captain of his own ship, a slaver. And one day they were in the Atlantic Ocean, and, and a terrific storm came up, and uh, he happened to be reading a book uh, by Thomas Akempis, The uh, uh, Imitation of Christ, convicted of his need for Christ and his life changed. And uh, he prayed in desperation that storm, Lord, save me, I'll do anything you want me to do. Well, God saved him. He went back to England. Uh, he enrolled in a college, in, an Anglican college and, and seminary, and became a pastor for many years. But he also was a great songwriter. And you probably know who I'm talking about. His name is John Newton. And he wrote, The Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. He had experienced that grace, and uh, it changed his life. I wonder, has that grace changed your life yet? Is that grace still working in your life? You see, for grace to work, it's, again, something we have to come to God with empty hands. And uh, God will fill him. God will supply his grace. If we admit, Lord, I'm weak, I'm needy, I need you, will you come into my life? Will you save me? Will you restore me? If there's a need for restoration in your life, he will. And uh, will you supply everything I need? See, grace, uh, as Jeff said earlier, not only saves us, but it sustains us. It keeps us day by day. I need his grace as much at 73 as I needed when I was seven, when I was saved. I need his grace now as much as when I was pastoring a church. I need his grace, and you need his grace. All of us need that grace so badly today. And so he invites us to come and receive that grace. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for this portion of your word and the reminder that that amazing grace is available to every one of us. Lord, we stand in need of that grace as much as that woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Lord, forgive us for our pride and for our self-righteousness that thinks that thanks we're so much better than other people, that we don't need that grace like somebody else does. Lord, help us to know we, we are desperately in need of that grace every day. And I pray if there's one here who's never come to Jesus and admitted that they were a sinner and uh, just come to the cross and, and, uh, and uh, experience his forgiveness and his start of a new life, to be born again, that they would do that this morning. I pray for others here that uh, are going through some tough times. Lord, I pray that they'd reach out to the grace of God in their life and know that you will sustain them, that you will see them through whatever difficulty they're going through. And I pray for that person that has crossed the line of uh, holiness and, and has done their own thing and stepped out into places where they shouldn't go. Lord, that they might hear your loving call to them today of grace and forgiveness and come and receive the grace that you offer. Lord, whatever way you want to speak to us, whatever way you want us to respond, we give you this time, this invitation time. I ask that you bless it and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing the invitation. And Jeff,